0: Um, the barrio assemblies and these like you know grassroots neighborhood organizations a lot of these were sponsored by the church
1: what does it mean to say that the christian tradition is internally contradictory and there are antagonisms there um you're always uh being faithful to some aspects and betraying other aspects
0: welcome to the magnificast a podcast about christianity and leftist politics i'm your co-host matt i'm your other co-host dean dean it's been a minute let's check in how's it how's it going (laughs) how's your heart how's your heart Are you you guarding it?
1: My heart. I am guarding it for sure. Uh, It is tired, really exhausted, I feel. (laughs) It's, I don't know what it is. I mean, I started a new job um, that maybe I'll talk about some other time, but that is a lot. And uh, I'm just getting used to that. It's fall. The seasons are changing. The world is complicated. And uh, yeah, I feel exhausted. What about you, Matt?
0: Yep. Tired exhausted would love to be in bed but no Someone's got to make this podcast and uh none of you out there are doing it so dean and i have to yeah that's Uh, right and and here we are today well before we dive into things let me say really quickly that if you like our podcast and i know you do probably you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash the magnificast and uh there it all is it's all there if you uh you can get some great Fantastic prizes if you support us at different (laughs) levels. And I don't remember what they all are right now, but uh, there's a cool Discord channel that you can join exclusively. You get some early episodes occasionally, and there's a whole nother behind the paywall podcast you get called The Lock-In that's kind of goofy, and we talk about current events and also read Reddit questions, and uh, that's about it. So, yeah, if you are into this podcast, you can support us there. That'd be great. You know, something that I actually really appreciate about the the, the old discord these days is that lately we've been meeting once a month to talk about the monthly review. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's only about four of us that do it, but that's OK. It's been really fun and uh, learned a lot of things. And if you're if you're really yearning for something that's less of a uh, commitment than a book club, this is it this is the one for you because you could read one short article and talk about it with us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like a a Bible study for extremely weird socialist nerds, I guess that's kind of the vibe. That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe. That's what it is. <laughs> that makes me feel a lot more apprehensive about it now that you've said it that way but okay that's fine
1: (laughs) well let's see let's just recap right now the last few minutes of this episode uh we've come in saying we're really exhausted and too tired to be doing it uh we've uh already said that the the uh the discord is just a vehicle for another socialist bible study i feel like um if you're still listening now uh congrats it's gonna be a good (laughs) a good hour i'll say
0: that's right that's right. All right. Well, let's just jump right into it then, Dean. Um, we've, got, we've got all this, these, these bad vibes out. Let's get <laughs> some even worse vibes in here, I think. Okay. Okay. So, folks, this week we're going to talk about something that is, I think, upsetting to me and probably to everybody, but it's worth kind of getting into. So, just a week ago, we passed by America's biggest, weirdest holiday, uh, the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And to mark the occasion, the worship leader and failed Republican politician Sean Floyd of Bethel Church fame held an event at the National Mall in D.C. The event was part of uh, his his lettuce worship tour, the one that you've probably heard about. It's been going around, uh, kind of as a protest against COVID lockdowns. We'll talk about that more later, I guess. Um, but anyways, it's been taking place around the country, um, and uh, you know, showing up and 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 worshiping when when the government doesn't want them to <laughs> um anyways uh, at this uh, event on 9 11 a lot of um pretty peculiar to say the least right-wing figures were there lots of pastors doing things saying things you don't want them to about the election uh but most notably <sighs> donald trump did join the rally through a pretty bizarre pre-recorded speech and um Hang on, I have to stop right here and talk about this really quick. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it, it more later. But I, so I went back and I, I did watch some of this rally and I, okay, to tell you, to tell you the truth, I did scrub through it because there's no way in hell I'm going to listen to any of these <laughs> worship songs. But I did watch some of the speakers just to kind of get a flavor for what it was like. And Donald Trump did have this like pre-recorded video that is extremely funny. So first of all, the background of the video, it looks a lot like he is in the Oval Office, but it's not. It's like a very presidential <laughs> background. It's like. <laughs> It's definitely on a soundstage somewhere and he's just like really kind of, you know, he he misses it. I'm sure. I have one of those in Um, my apartment. Yeah. It's sort of a corner of your room that you Skype in uh, that, that it does look like.
1: It's where I do all my, uh, my work meetings.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you're, I'm sure your work meetings really do appreciate that. (laughs) You look very presidential today, Dean. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, The other thing is that, um, man, somebody must've been coaching Trump through these, uh, through this like pre-recorded speech because it is like, he is laser focused in it, you know, like any, <laughs> any other Trump event where he's just kind of like everywhere and talking about, I don't know, who knows what Benghazi or or whatever, whatever bullshit he's talking about. This one is laser focused. It's only about 9-11. It's only about God. And that's, and that's it. It was an, it's an amazing speech. Um, it, amazing in the sense that like, it is truly kind of incredible. It's hard to believe. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, that's a lot to throw at you at the top of this episode. We've, we've been through it a lot already, dear listeners. Um, but anyways, you might be wondering at this point, who gives a shit about any of this? <laughs> and it's a really good question. Who does? But I think as some people who are now very outside evangelicalism, like Dean Nye, it's easy to like ignore these folks completely. <laughs> I um, do it all the time. I think I've shown quite needed on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, you should, honestly. I mean, for your own personal self and brain it's probably a great choice (laughs) um the more i know about sean floyd the less i like about anything so i i support that idea um all that aside i think there are some reasons that we ought to pay attention at some level We don't have to follow him on twitter but we should pay attention at some level uh despite how cringy it all is um and it is very cringy oh my god i did i okay i said i didn't watch any of the worship songs but i did catch a few bits of them and i hate it (laughs) it's just just made me feel like i had to take a shower um, So Sean Foyt is like, first of all, maybe you don't even know who I'm talking about, given the way I'm pronouncing his name, because I'm pronouncing it correct. But sometimes sometimes people say fuked, but it's Sean Foyt. You know, him. he's this guy with this crazy uh, long blonde hair. He's like a California worship leader kind of guy. You, you know him if you saw him. Just mm-hmm. Look him up if you don't know who I'm talking about. Anyways, um, he is probably one of the more visible figures in evangelicalism at the moment because of these like tours he's been doing and um he is clearly interested in conservative politics so maybe we should think about what he's doing and maybe uh and garner hearts from what he's doing (laughs) so uh sean foy uh he's not just a worship pastor he's also had a failed congressional run in california he tried to run for congress and that's fun uh and lost and that's even more fun i love that um and then uh he also took a trip to the White House to lay hands on and pray for Donald Trump before his first impeachment trial. So he's got something there. It worked. I mean, he got <laughs> impeached, but it didn't. Uh, he wasn't removed from office. So the prayer did something, I guess. Um. Anyway, so g- given all of that, we thought it might be good to spend a little bit of time talking about, like, Sean Foyt, but maybe, like, the larger state of Christofascism. You'll probably recall... Back in January, we talked a little bit about fascism in the context of the, the Capitol riots on January 6th. And since then, you know, there's a new president and the fascist currents of January 6th have transmuted a bit like it looks different than it did then. Um, but still, I think something to think about um so what we've seen happen to the christian right isn't necessarily new or different but it is like you know something to worth thinking thinking through a little bit here um so let's just take the time of this podcast and think through it a little bit dean um i don't know uh you were there for that conversation about january 6 and the Capitol riots uh what what did we talk about what was the- What's your recollection? Where did we get to? Oh, boy. My recollection is pretty fuzzy
1: now. um, But I think that we relied a lot back then on Dorothy Zahwella in particular, who I think is a really valuable voice. If you've never heard of her, she's a theologian from Germany. Uh, She did a lot of work in the United States as well and spent a lot of her life processing Christianity, socialism, but also uh, fascism and what was going on there. And she really... uh, coined the term Christofascism in an important way in a number of different books that she wrote, uh, exploring what it was, what the contours of it was, how it works, and what kind of props it up theologically. And I always am intrigued by her um, kind of like her thinking through Christofascism from both the German and U.S. context. Uh, because on the one hand she's interested in how fascism, in a kind of explicit and obvious way, came to power in Germany, uh, but she did so much of that theorizing in the United States, which I think is really significant. Um, so we talked a lot about that back on Jan in back about January sixth, not on January sixth. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, and I think um, I don't know what's always been useful to me about people like Zoela and others is that Christo fascism. Uh, as a term, really highlights that Christianity has this uh, unique, important role to play in fascist uh, rules of, of order or, or political movements and, and so on. And uh, it's important that we understand the kind of unique Christianities that underlie those fascist movements rather than, like we're always saying in this podcast, pretending that you can just kind of, I don't know, ignore them or say that they're not really Christian or um, get yourself into the <laughs> the pure Christian space where you don't have to deal with the Christo fascists or because they're not Christo at all or something like that. So anyway, uh, that's what I remember. Am I leaving anything out
0: out, Matt? No, I mean, I think that's pretty good, right? I, I think um, that's the important piece to me, at least that Christo fascism is actually, you know, it has a it has a claim to Christianity or something that it comes out of Christianity proper and not as a as something that's like, you know, foreign or, or whatever. Um, I think that that's important. Um because, you know, I I think that we need to reckon with the extremely weird ideologies and like ways that Christianity can be like wielded in different directions. I think that's worth worth doing. Um and and Christian fascism is really, I think, interesting, especially in the way that Zuela talks about it, because you know, like when it comes to talking about fascism, I don't know, Marxists and other folks on the left have a lot of things to say for sure. Right? Like, you know, you say the word and you think up things like uh, you know, like obedient, obedient masses, all, you know, zig heiling or whatever, or Nazis and death camps and uh, yellow stars and whatnot, which I mean, these are all things that fascism certainly is. Um, but I think when it comes to crystal fascism, um, especially maybe the variety that we're seeing now, I think Zuela has it right. I mean, things are a bit more subtle than just like straightforward. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. jackpooted thugs or whatever. <laughs> um, so we'll get into all the details there in a minute um but maybe we can do a quick dive into who sean foy is (laughs) and like what his whole situation is what's his problem let
1: me let me make a quick uh like intervention to why i think this is actually important so um i've already confessed i don't pay attention to sean foy and i don't like him um and i try my best to know as little about him as i can but matt has impressed upon me that it is important to know who he is, and as I was thinking about it, the person that came to mind, believe it or not, for me, is actually uh, Theodor Adorno, uh, the German critical theorist. Uh, so Adorno spent some time in the United States while he was hiding out from fascists in Germany, coincidentally, and uh, coincidental to our conversation, <laughs> not to his life. <laughs> um <laughs> Anyway, uh, one thing that he did while he was living in the United States is he listened to tons of radio broadcasts of uh, Catholic fascists in particular and was just like super interested in how fascism was uh, being disseminated in the United States uniquely uh, in a Christian environment using Christian language and so on and so forth. And he wrote some books about it. And uh, why am I saying this is important? Because I think uh, there is this tradition of Marxism that also suggests uh, it's important to pay attention to the unique kind of theological trappings that come up with all this stuff. So for Adorno, it was like Father Coughlin, you know, these kind of weird fascist priests or whatever. But for us, uh, you know, those folks are still around. There are Father Coughlins around. But I think Sean Foyt is the more challenging Christo-fascist to figure out. Uh, and also the one that is more likely to end up with real political power in our lifetime. So uh, yeah, all that to yeah. say, it's a good, good. Uh, I think you're right, Matt. We should pay attention to Sean Foyt, despite the fact that I don't. But what that
0: means is you're going to have to help me figure him out. Yeah, I'm glad I've won you over. You know, the other thing. OK, sorry. We press the point a little bit further about why people should care about Sean Foyt or Christo fascism in general. And it's this. This is like, as always, I'm going to pull something like a very deep cut and philosophy that no one knows about and that's fine but um in uh in in the tradition of psychoanalysis (laughs) (laughs) uh, there's this guy named Wilhelm Reich who actually had a lot of very bizarre ideas um, especially about orgasms but that's a whole other story (laughs) Um, he did write a book about fascism that I think is really fascinating um and basically the question though that he raises in his book is one that I think um I mean a lot of other sort of like German and like you know Central European people were thinking about at the time, too, is like, why do people want this? Right. Like, why is it that people like, why would you ever be drawn to something like Mm -hmm. fascism? Like, obviously, you know, it's bad. You know that, like, it's going to make you do something bad. It's going to, like, revoke your personal liberties. Why would you want this? And um, man, it's a great question. And a lot of people, you know, kind of keep bringing this up, especially in the Trump years. But I think, you know, it's still a great question to be asking now um, because, People still want it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess part of the question for Christo Fascism, at least for me, is like it's it does help answer that question, why do people desire fascism? Um, or I mean in the more the Reichian way, it's like, you know, why do people desire servitude or something? But like still it's it's a it's a question and and I don't think you can really answer that question contemporaneously without talking about fascism. Okay. So let me tell you about Sean Foyt and who he is Dean. All right. No, how about this? You tell me who who do you think Sean Floyd? But who do you say he is? Right, right, right. Okay. Um,
1: I can do this blindly because I have not read your notes, Matt. I can confess (laughs) to you now in this podcast live. (laughs) Um, Sean Floyd, as far as I can tell from the maybe several months of seeing him go through my Twitter feed before meeting him, um, Sean Floyd is a guy with some big curly hair, as you already mentioned, um. He seems to have discovered a pretty savvy grift, which is to figure out whatever conservatives are upset about and then do worship adjacent to that affect. Like, Nailed
0: it. Yes, absolutely.
1: (laughs) If people are upset about Black Lives Matter, Sean Foyt is going to show up and do some worship music in a way that makes Black Lives Matter people very mad. Um, if people are upset about masks, Sean Foyt is going to show up, uh, without a mask and do some worship music. Uh, I think, uh, that's the Sean Foyt formula and, uh, you know, I have to credit where it's due. It's a, it's probably a pretty winning formula. I would guess.
0: Yeah, it's true. When, uh, when there's an entire sector of the population that's just really motivated by being upset about dumb stuff, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> and if you can make money off that, I guess. Great. Good for you. Uh, I think, though, unfortunately, Sean Foyt is probably more than just a grifter. He's probably a true believer, but we can kind of get there. It's always hard to tell if these people. Who knows? Who knows that people? They're not are mutually
1: exclusive, I
0: think. Yeah, that's true. They, they are not mutually exclusive. OK, let me tell you about Sean Foyt. This is a pretty rough overview, um, and there's probably more to be said about him. But listen, there's just so much going on, guys. It's so <laughs> hard. This is a, We're doing this, pod, this podcast in 40 minutes. It's so hard to do it all. So, Sean Foyt is um, an Oral Roberts grad. So, if you know anything about Oral Roberts University, it's bad. And uh, that will tell you a lot about him already. <laughs> um, anyways, he is now a worship leader at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And if you know anything about that church, you also know he's probably pretty bad. <laughs> so, if you're unfamiliar with Bethel, it is a non denominational, quote unquote, neo charismatic megachurch. Known for um, very conservative politics and some other pretty wild beliefs, uh, especially about the supernatural and healing and a lot of other things that make me kind of upset to think about. Um, I I want to put this tactfully because it's not funny. It's very tragic, actually. But here's I mean, I'm some like some idea of kind of where Bethel Church is at theologically in this whole thing so in 2019 uh bethel church made it into the media for actually trying to resurrect the worship leader's daughter who was recently deceased just by like kind of praying over her and man i i remember having a very visceral reaction to this in 2019 and i remember a lot of people who were like making fun of them on twitter and i mean that's what people do on twitter so i don't know i guess fine but anyways i can't think of anything more tragic than this kind of scene mm-hmm. but this is maybe a great It's a great encapsulation of kind of like the ideology uh, or or I guess the theology of Bethel Church. It's just sort of really enamored with this really particular type of evangelicalism that has this like charismatic bent to it about healing and faith healing and, you know, laying on hands and all these kinds of things. So you get kind of a a vibe for what it's about. Um, Personally, to me, I went to I went to one of these churches. I went to a youth group, at uh, uh, Assembly of God's Church for a minute. And a lot of this, like, really... um, it is like representative of my experience as well. Not anything that extreme, but just like faith healing and like mm-hmm. speaking in tongues and whatnot. It's all a lot. Um, and, you know, um, people write people, pe- people write sort of care, the charismatic tradition off too quickly, I think. Um, but uh, man, it can be really heartbreaking to sort of see as a thing unfold. And I hate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So hopefully that's done with enough tact and given respect that it's due. I just hate it. It's such, such a yeah. bummer um, and very sad. Uh, There's also, though, a lot more to say about Bethel. Um, There's, I mean, just so much that can be said about... They have like this whole sort of like school of supernaturalism? I don't know. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds a lot cooler than it is. It's not about the TV show at all. It's actually just about (laughs) lots of bummer kind of stuff. But you can get credentials in it from them, so that's something. Um, But I think maybe the most insidious part of the church, I think the part that has the biggest tie-in to the Christofascist kind of piece of this all is that they run several music labels that uh, push out some pretty popular worship music um, in that whole genre. Um, Man, there's actually a really good episode of Shitty Christians. It's another podcast where they talk a little bit about the labor of all of that, um, where they don't they don't pay a lot of their musicians that work at the church and they don't ever see any of the royalties from that, which I think is another fascinating aspect altogether. So go look that up, I guess, if you want to. But, anyways i i point out the the music part of this because not only is like that sean that's sean foyts like main role in the church is kind of being like a, a worship leader but it also um it's important because the worship piece like creates a, a pipeline that kind of uh you know it, it's a pipeline from i, I don't know like toxic evangelicalism into like the hyper conservativism of a place like Bethel, you know, like Mm -hmm. they release all of these like really popular worship albums. And if you've never been to an evangelical church, maybe this is news to you, but like every evangelical church has a worship band and that worship band will like play whatever's popular at the time. And like, chances are it's probably some of these Bethel songs or whatever. So, you know, you'll, uh, you'll hear it from your local worship band and then you'll figure out who it's from and buy their CD and kind of become more enamored with it or whatever. It's kind of this, uh, this line of flight from Bethel to like the rest of the evangelical world. Is there
1: what's like an example of a popular Bethel song that I might know?
0: No, I couldn't even tell you. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, like I said, those those are the parts of the songs I skipped. I don't listen to those. Uh, it's not not because I don't have any kind of intellectual curiosity, but I think that might trigger me too much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's pulling the ripcord of a uh, of a whole bunch of things I'm probably not ready to deal with.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm just googling uh, top Bethel songs. Uh, keep going, but I'm I'm gonna see if there's any that I know. Um,
0: yeah, I mean they come out with new ones all the time. There's like a whole right. it's a whole industry, you know. So it's like I don't know. I'm. I feel like um we we're probably both far enough removed that they wouldn't even be yeah you know, recognizable to us. But who knows? Uh, so, anyways, from this whole conversation, you can start to get an idea of like what's going on with with Bethel and with Foy. Um, but uh, the most recent development in this particular story is uh, it's his on. His, I guess it's now finished. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. But uh, a tour where he was going around the country called the Lettuce Worship Tour. And the impetus for this tour is I think pretty clear. Um, (laughs) Everyone knows this, unless you've been living somewhere, this doesn't (laughs) affect you. I mean, if, If you are unaffected, let me know and I'll move there. But the COVID pandemic has led to, uh, you know, state and federal governments to put all kinds of uh, restrictions on social situations like church in order to slow the spread of the pandemic. Uh, You might be familiar with this listeners. Anyways, people like Floyd, however, have taken these moderate to weak measures (laughs) that the government has put in place, not even very strong at all as an opportunity to sort of ramp up the political energies that he has in his base and uh, tour around the country. And um, I pulled some, fl- some flavor text off of uh, Sean Foy's website to kind of explain the tour. And I think it's really fascinating. Um, anyways, I'm going to read it right here. Actually, Dean, will you read it? And then I will.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll just say to you, by the way, um, I did find there are some Bethel songs I would have sung at my evangelical college that I did under credit, but I'm not going to say what they are. Um, To save you (laughs) and our listeners from uh, that quick trigger. Okay. Um, Here's the flavor text. The fervor to worship God free from government edict and societal persecution drove America's earliest settlers across oceans and wild frontiers to this beautiful land to create a new nation built on a simple premise that all men are created equal and cannot be denied their inalienable rights to life and liberty. But our freedom to worship God and obey his word has come under unprecedented attack. It's never been worse. Powerful <laughs> politicians and social media giants. <laughs> could you? What a dark alliance. Uh, have engaged in unchartered abuses of religious liberty. Silencing the faithful, banning our voices, and outright attacking our God-given right to declare his goodness. You can't even say that anymore. States across America, including here in California, have shut down church services and even outlawed singing in church. Instagram and Twitter is censoring Christian voices every single day and every hour that passes, they grow bolder in their efforts to silence the faithful. It's time for the church to rise up with one voice and tell our government leaders and the rulers of big tech that we refuse to be silenced.
0: There it all is. Um, it's never, things have never been worse for Christians. Um, we're under constant attack. Our voices constantly being taken off Twitter. Um, <laughs> that's such a, it's a, that claim particularly that claim particularly is very interesting. Um, Sean Foyt had like a video of him removed from Twitter for some reason, or he—that's that's what he reports that it was removed from Twitter. And then uh, I guess to capitalize upon the moment, Josh Hawley actually tweeted about it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Hawley is everyone everyone's favorite seditionist in the United States. <laughs> um, that's who this guy's uh, you know hanging out with, whatever. Uh, anyways, I I have no idea if that's actually true. If um, the video did get taken down from Twitter, I mean probably not it's probably made up, but, um, interesting nonetheless. I mean, it's kind of all kind of, it's all here sort of coalescing into this picture where, uh, Christians are really, um, under attack. The government is cracking down. You can't even sing, which is stupid. I mean, obviously there's like some, some crucial context here missing from this. Like, um, there's an awful pandemic that's killed like more than 600,000 people in the United States. And like, that's why you can't sing and like maybe stop crying about it. But, um, Anyways, uh, that's that's what the tour is kind of about. Um, it's uh, taking just like you said earlier, Dean's taking the things that Republicans are mad about, and it's going to kind of capitalize upon them in a way that is, um, I don't know, um, <laughs> a good grift and also kind of um, seemingly believable. Like maybe he actually believes this. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the tour itself has created a lot of publicity for itself just in light of Foyt's own occasional inability to get proper permits to host these concerts, which I think is actually very funny. Um, if, if you search Sean Foyt's name, I'm sure if you, you've probably already seen him on Facebook or on Twitter, I don't know. But if you just do a quick search of his name, you'll find all kinds of videos of Sean Foyt encountering police or like other sort of official people in in locations where he's supposed to have like an event and he acts like outrage, they won't let him play worship music there there's one specifically that's like in a city center that like cops are kind of hassling him and his friends for trying to have a worship concert like in the middle of the street or something (laughs) it's like he doesn't he doesn't have a permit is kind of the thing and the cops are like yeah man sorry you gotta get a permit and sean foy's like hey bros they won't let us worship we gotta like we gotta that's why we gotta do it we gotta be out here and like if we go to jail for worshiping god i guess it's fine you know it's like whatever and the thing is it's like it's all fabricated it none of it's real (laughs) it's just like it's him kind of creating these situations for himself um so that he appears to be you know more persecuted than he ever is has he gone to jail or does he go to jail uh not that i know of i think actually he did go to jail briefly or something but you know never for very long Mm -hmm. it's always just for like you know something stupid yeah um so and the the moral of the story is though that it's not that the cops are like persecuting him because he wants to play worship music, which I mean honestly, uh, maybe they should, but no, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but um, you know he's he's he he's getting hassled by police because he like doesn't have the right permits or he's just trying to do something kind of spontaneously or whatever. Um, so like it's like this really interesting spectacle though to kind of see happen on social media. Because on the one hand, it's like um, it's Christian persecution narrative, but also it's playing with a lot of the same imagery of like the George Floyd protests or like sort of other anti-police protests where he like shows up and the cops are like Hmm. hassling him or whatever. Right. And like um, and using that type of. um, Yeah, the sort of like spectacle of that, I think, is really fascinating, kind of playing off leftist tropes to kind of gain some kind of credibility with people who think he might be lame otherwise. But at the end, it's just like, can we pray for these cops? (laughs)
1: right right it's still like a blue lives matter situation or whatever
0: yeah absolutely it's not like he's he's never been like uh let's worship and also fuck the police he's never he never said that (laughs) strangely enough
1: right right I mean uh but that's kind of the the unique feature or the weird features of fascism in general as well right and I think this is what I have always appreciated about Dorothy Zoela's stuff um I don't know I'll uh maybe I'll bring her in because I think she illuminates a little bit of what's going on Um, she has uh, some really cool things to say about fascism, where she'll note one problem in our vocabulary around fascism is that like we have so restricted it to mean like one extremely specific expression of like German Mm -hmm. politics that uh, it makes it hard to kind of see um, analogous phenomena in very different like political circumstances. So, Um, Like, for example, uh, this is from uh, an essay that we've talked about before by Zuela, but she says, according to the strange logic of some of our guardians of democracy, President Reagan, because he was democratically elected, albeit by only 27 percent of the U.S. population, simply cannot have any fascist tendencies. In this debate, the electrical process as such takes on a sacrosanct quality as if no democratic country had ever stumbled into genocide in Southeast Asia, for example. Right. So she's kind of calling the bluff of the way that we sort of restrict this understanding. Um, But she goes on to say, uh, talking about Christofascism, uh, the most dangerous thing about Christofascist religion is precisely that it is not compulsory, nor is it brought about in totalitarian fashion by violence. It's a matter of what critical Americans call soft fascism. Chauvinistic nationalism, militarization of one's own one one's own land and all its dependent countries, the still unconquered racism that expresses itself in the reintroduction of capital punishment, the celebration of violence in films, all, all kinds of other stuff that she talks about. Uh, but the key thing here is that uh, crystal fascism is so. Um, uh, insidious or like has a hold on us because it does not seem like uh, it's compulsory. And Sean Foyt is such a great example of that. You know, uh, Zoela is writing as Reagan is kind of driving up neoliberalism and the rise of hyper individualism and so on. Um, Foyt, I think, is the kind of, yeah, metastasized version of that sort of experience. Right. Uh, somebody who is. Um, like saying that they are being persecuted by the police or whatever, and still, nevertheless, is like a major champion of police. Right? Uh, is uh, kind of um, obsessed, probably with the troops. I would guess. <laughs> you know, there's this kind of internalization of both uh, absolute freedom on the one hand, like selling yourself as the the defender of freedom, and on the other hand, like totally making yourself available as the uh, the mouthpiece of the most violent and reactionary parts of like the American cultural order or something. Um, so I think it's useful to kind of keep on tracing how Christo fascism has uh, developed or is developing, especially in the post Trump era as all these uh, strange kind of um, features of Christo fascism start to manifest.
0: Yeah. You know, it's actually um, I was going to bring this out in a, in a minute, but let's just do it right now. Um in August, so earlier this summer, um, Sean Floyd went to Portland. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Portland is like one of those cities in the United States that is. Um, I mean, it's had all kinds of protests uh, from from George Floyd to you know everything, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. been all kinds of unrest in in Portland for you know good reasons. Anyway, so uh, Sean Floyd went to Portland to have one of these like let us worship kind of situations. And um there was a little bit of, of press hubbub when um this like picture emerged from his Twitter account. Um uh, it's like a picture of him in Portland, but he's there with his security team. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. volunteers. They're all volunteers. No no one's getting paid for this, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the uh, I'm sure everyone's seen it, but um maybe it's a minute removed from your brain since it happened in August, but um it's this picture of Sean Foyt. He's, like, in the center of the picture wearing, like, you know, like, a flannel shirt or whatever. And he has a guitar in his hand. And then he's surrounded by a bunch of guys that look like they are, like, pride boy rejects. <laughs> um, And, like, you know, they all have, like, tactical vests on and sunglasses and, like, guns. And anyways, the... um. <laughs> Sean Foy has like this like caption that goes along with it and he said uh these are all ex-military ex-police private security and most importantly lovers of Jesus and freedom Mm -hmm. if you mess with them or our first minute right to worship God you'll meet Jesus one way or another Mm -hmm. and um it's such a good example though of the of the ways that fascism works I think for this particular subset of Christianity um you know it's it's like intense militarization right if you get in our way um all me and my closest 20 friends from the proud boys will definitely murder you. (laughs) Yeah. It is wild. Yeah.
1: Yeah. uh, But even that too is right. uh, The most important thing is that they're lovers of Jesus. Right. And exactly. uh, Yeah. Like they will literally murder you and send you to Jesus in the name of Jesus. Uh, That is Christofascism for sure.
0: It's great. I love it. (laughs) No conflicts here whatsoever. (laughs) All makes sense as far as I can see. All right. Let's get back to the the matter at hand, though. Nine uh, eleven, it just happened. Uh, we just passed by it. Such a bizarre kind of moment. In uh, I mean, twenty years later, it's such a bizarre moment. I don't think anyone knows what to do with it anymore, mm-hmm. um, other than like sort of faint sentimentality or something. But it's such a bizarre thing. Anyways, um, there's there's so much like cringy stuff to come out of these tours that he's been doing, but I think it all kind of culminates in in the mall in Washington D.C. on nine eleven. Um, so like I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, um, like th- there's this thing with Foyt and in, in his like filing for permits and sort of like trying to get in the right places on the right days and like making sure he has the right to go do them. Cause these are all like sort of public events. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyways, uh, as the way that Foyt tells the story is that, um, the only day that, um, that the mall was available for him to do this concert on was 9-11. <laughs> isn't that a divine happenstance? <laughs> Um, but uh, there's been some reporting around this <laughs> that confirms that they had actually planned to do it a different day, but he just rescheduled it for nine 11. <laughs> I love it so much. I love that. He has to have the mythology. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um. Except, except if it was for a different reason, it would be cool. But for this, it's actually pretty gross.
1: I, I also love uh wouldn't you believe it? Uh, the day in the nation's capital where everyone is mourning an event that people are, have like totally fetishized as like our, our new founding myth. Uh, what a coincidence yeah. that that's the day I'm going to do this.
0: <laughs> yep. Just a weird thing. It's just one of those God things, you know, it just happens. <laughs> um, so the performance that he does in DC um, is not significant or outstanding in any real way. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of actually what's important about it. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, Donald Trump was there in a video. Um Like I said, it's very stiff, stiff and straightforward video. He is to the point and has no sort of meandering thoughts about anything, which is very unlike him, I think. Anyways, but that's what happens. Um, I watched a little bit of this concert, like I said, (laughs) and I will reiterate that it is totally boring and and pretty mundane. Like as far as worship services go, that's it. If you've ever been to an evangelical worship service. Um, there is nothing really that different about what Sean Foy did. You know, there were songs and there were prayers and there were people waving their arms around and sort of like this weird, you know, religious ecstasy or whatever. Um, there were, there were like some additional talking points of like with different pastors talking about Trump and nine 11, you know, like one of the speakers they're I mean, all the speakers are Republicans, like that's to say the very least, right. And um some of the speakers would kind of say things that were more, you know, conservative talking points than others. One of the speakers specifically went as far to say that, you know, Trump did win the election twice and Joe Biden stole the election, this whole thing, you know, whatever. And that's pretty outlandish, but still like it's nothing that you'd really find like outside of evangelical megachurch to say the you know, that's a bummer, but like it's true, right? Mm-hmm. You go to an evangelical church, you're gonna hear some conservative politics, it's just all part of it. Um and that's exactly what uh what you'd find at this sort of worship thing, the, the worship in in D.C. the Let Us, Let Us Worship tour, it's all boring and mundane and just like, you know, whatever. Um, there there's this moment even when Sean Floyd's daughter prayed this prayer about how she she was praying for Joe Biden and Kamal Harris that, you know, like God would be in the White House and that God would bring sort of light to where there's darkness. Assuming I don't know, I mean Joe Biden. is is the darkness or whatever in this in this prayer but i have fine whatever uh not not exactly wrong but different positions i suppose (laughs) um anyways i think that is what's really fascinating to me about shunfoy is that um all this like cringy stuff kind of comes out for sure there's like there's politics embroiled in this but like when it comes to the events itself it's like just worship music Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is, I think what is actually particularly troubling about it is that, um, the, that is just worship music. There's a incredible capacity to do like extremely fascist stuff and say things that are like extremely right wing or, uh, borderline, uh, conspiracy theories or whatever. Um, that like Sean Foyt is like, basically just like kind of a blank slate of a person that, um, kind of, that can, that can do Christian worship, but also be, um, you know, extremely conservative. There's nothing like, he doesn't have to go out of his way to like, he himself doesn't have to go out of his way to say anything particularly egregious about, uh, about Trump or the United States. He can kind of just kind of get by with like regular evangelical platitudes and it's kind of okay. Hmm. I mean, given the flavor text, even that we had, you know, earlier in the episode, it's not like he won't talk about politics. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. obviously he ran, he ran for a, an actual elected position. He will. But like, when it comes to worship, it's not like the fascism that he's kind of pushing is like, ingrained in the worship where it's like you know uh we should all be conservative or whatever (laughs) like that's not one of the songs that he sings it's just like (laughs) it's just like regular evangelical christian worship but it it, like it it all kind of meshes so well together with like the the christo-fascist sort of vibe um it's kind of indistinguishable from one another and i think that's really Mm. fascinating
1: yeah well i always found that really interesting about evangelicalism too because you know like in uh well in my own tradition in catholicism um like what I like about something like liberation theology is that it is a, an admission, a bald admission that um, your, your theology is going to be political, right? And you do that on purpose and you go out of your way to do political readings of the Bible on purpose, (laughs) saying what your side is and so on. Um, And uh, so the, the kind of theological language and the political activity are um, kind of mutually informing. What's so fascinating about evangelicalism is I find uh, a lot of the time, not always, I think there are exceptions to this, but a lot of the time, uh, the fact that the sort of worship music itself is um, almost like, you know, so purified from uh, the earthly domain or whatever, or, um, you know, it, it becomes sort of a screen that allows you to say, "Well, this is so pure and not political in itself," and that's exactly what enables the like the absolute worst political opinion on the outside because you're uh, you're sort of protecting that that thing. Uh, there's this mm-hmm. like assumption that the worship itself is apolitical, and that's exactly why outside the worship service you have to be political, or or the uh, the worship itself is political in that kind of way, just because the the world can't tolerate something that unearthly or these extremely good Bethel
0: songs
1: (laughs) or whatever. Um, And I think there's something really weird about that in evangelicalism.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, okay, if you are a person who has no experience in evangelicalism and you listen to this podcast, I'm sorry, this is probably extremely jarring to you and you have no idea what we're talking about. But like. um, But I think that, you know, to a certain extent too, the event, like the evangelical worship experience is built toward this type of um otherworldliness in, in and geared towards uh, a type of individualism that kind of lends itself to this very bizarre way of thinking or sort of a magical way of thinking about religion rather than being you know liberationist. It's extremely like um inward would be the wrong word, just like self indulgently mm-hmm. individualist yeah <laughs> like i've um, I've heard
1: it described as like uh very masturbatory, and I think that's yeah. maybe a crude image,
0: but it does feel <laughs> intuitively right in some ways. Yeah, totally. I mean, in um at the uh at the Christian college I went to, uh in my undergrad, there was a particular worship service on Thursday nights called Vespers, and um students hated chapel because like it's born you have to sing hymns and it's like what is this? No, <laughs> I hate this. Let's sing the good songs is what people said. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Vespers you sing the good songs, but the whole the whole atmosphere is engineered in a particular way that uh, lends itself to this, like, yeah, to the masturbatory nature of it all, or the, the very self-indulgent nature of it all. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's I'm, I'm sure other people have had this type of experience, too. But like the lights are turned down low, there's music playing in the background. And it's just like the music kind of just ends up being this like, uh, you know, waves of like nondescript songs after a while, mm-hmm. like they all kind of blend together. Who knows? and you're just kind of like there left to your own devices in the dark and there's like i guess there's a person next to you but you don't really even think about them as a person you're just kind of having your own experience i mean phenomenologically it's a deeply bad situation <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. such a strange uh strange occurrence but um but yeah i mean like you said it's like sort of pure and otherworldly and it's like it's not politics right you couldn't be because if you were to bring politics into that situation it would be it would like defile it or, or whatever mm-hmm um but at the same time it is extremely political because <laughs> it's like it's uh giving you a particular frame uh or locus to understand the world and understand god and it's not the not the god that liberates people that's for sure
1: yeah yeah well uh we had a similar thing at our evangelical school called evensong which was the same sort of deal and uh just to maybe continue painting a picture a little bit uh, cuz i do think it's helpful um you know, it's like every song is like, like the worship leader might, uh, if you have a hip one, like they listen to Arcade Fire, for example, outside of uh, <laughs> worship. And like they wish that they were actually in the band Arcade Fire and singing Arcade Fire songs, but they're too Christian. So they try to like uh, get that vibe or I don't know, this is maybe dating me now, but like when I was in college, everybody was really into uh as like this transcendent musical form or experience, yeah. right? And there's this like, Kind of ethereal um, attempt to capture that in these worship services and uh, the idea is almost like um, you're kind of you yourself are in the dark room waiting for God to like shine the spotlight on you or something right like it's this really individuating uh, worship experience and you might get some sense of like communality just by virtue of singing with other people and so on but but it's so nondescript or so kind of substanceless uh that at the end of the day you can you can leave that worship service and I don't know, go vote for
0: whatever Donald Trump yeah. <laughs> not think twice <laughs> about it. Totally, because it's like uh I mean whatever happens during worship or whatever, it's completely detached from your everyday life or whatever. Or your your everyday life is like so much worse than that, right? Like uh, right. that's that's like the real true reality where you're kind of like witnessing, you know, God or whatever. And once right. you leave it's like all downhill from there. Right. Um Cool. Well, let me read this this other idea here from Dorothy Zuela that I think is really powerful. This is at the end of her essay on Christo- Fascism." She said this. At a mass meeting, a thousand voices shouted, I love Jesus and I love America. It was possible to, to distinguish the two. The kind of religion knows the cross only as a magical symbol of what he has done for us, not as the sign of the poor man who was tortured to death as a political criminal. Like thousands today who stand up for this truth in El Salvador. This is a God without justice, a Jesus without a cross, an Easter without a cross. What remains is a metaphysical Easter bunny in front of the beautiful blue light of the television screen, a betrayal of the disappointed, a miracle weapon in service of the mighty. Um, Dorothy's Whale is right, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And this is exactly, I think, in this is exactly the the Sean Foyt aesthetic though, right? Like, um, if you go to a worship service, Uh, If you go to lettuce worship, if you're if you're there on 9-11 or there in Portland or whatever, um, this is not about a Jesus who was um, a political prisoner who was killed by the Roman Empire. This is not about like um, a preferential option for the poor. There's no mighties mighties being torn down from their thrones. uh, No lowlies being lifted up. It's just like um, it is a masturbatory experience that makes you feel good. And uh, politics can be a part of that. But like it is, uh, you know, you're worshiping to like own the libs or something and not to, <laughs> not because you think that like uh there could be some kind of better world or that like God is on the side of the poor or something like that. It's, uh you know, something different.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, what's weird about it? Like, phenomenologically speaking, there's another grad school term. Uh, I mean, like, you know, speaking just from, I don't know, the experience of being in those spaces, like, like when I was in those spaces, I had a lot of weird conservative ideas in my brain i guess but i was also like a christian anarchist at the same time right like lots of contradictions happening all at once and i think phenomenologically just thinking about my own life like i don't think that those worship services um like i would have left them still hating i don't know george w bush you know (laughs) like uh they didn't turn me into a republican i guess is what i'm saying um but at the same time it's like uh, what they definitely didn't do is kind of put me on a path toward, I don't know, figuring out how to make the world a better place and a different place and so on. Right. That's, that's just not their function. And I think what's so genius about Sean Foyt in a kind of uh diabolical way is that he's been able to uh, like Uh, harness the the sort of deep like spiritual I don't know thing that happens (laughs) to people in that moment or whatever and tie it to uh, the worst impulses of like the Christian right or Christian fascism happening in the United States today so you end up actually like preying on people's experience in maybe kind of like a vulnerable place um, and then uh, yeah uh, almost like (laughs) Bonding them in this bizarre way to those fascist politics, because uh, you can't really separate the the spiritual affect from um, the, the bizarre conditions that he's created in which you, you have that feeling.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. It's a good way to put it though. I mean, it's the same thing that like, you know, um, uh, go, going to the divine liturgy, isn't going to make you a communist or something right? right. <laughs> in the same way, but, but it does afford you different types of, uh, I don't know, um, imaginative moments about things and and that's something, but you know, there's, there's some subtlety to it, I suppose. Yeah. Um,
1: well, Matt, uh, I have to commend you on all the research that you've done and, uh, the real, um, the real journalistic work at this podcast that you've done to, uh, subject yourself to Sean Floyd. Um, having done all that work, um, what's your, uh, let's see, what can I ask is a good final question to cap this podcast off. What's the future of Floyd That's what I'll ask you.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think whatever, whatever Republicans get mad about next, I think he's going to do, you know, <laughs> he's going to be a part of that. He'll be capitalizing upon it. And I mean, I don't know, like, I feel like he's already kind of there with critical, critical race theory or something. I'm sure he's already said something about that. But, uh, yeah, I imagine that he's going to run for some kind of elected official again. Like, how could he not, right? He's got mm-hmm. so much sort of clout already. Um, and he's great at guitar. I'm, he's great. He, I am, I have no idea. I'm, again, I've not listened to any of the worship music. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he'll probably run for something. Um, I would imagine that's the case. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't been adopted more by right-wing figures. Like. I don't know, but whatever. We'll see. I, I imagine it's all around the bend. Uh, we'll get another tour once next, uh, the next culture war issue happens, and <laughs> Sean Foyt will be right there to to spread the bad news. All right. Well, uh, we didn't have enough time to figure out
1: how to combat this other than to say, I don't know, don't go to Sean Foyt's weird stuff. <laughs> you know that already. And, um, organize your own little base community in your background, in your backyard. And, uh, I don't know what else, what else should we say at the end here, Matt? How can we, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, there's no combat, there's no combating it. Right. Like what would you do? I mean, and if you, this is maybe the other thing that is kind of insidious about it. Like you can't, right. Like, um, if you wanted to, if you and your your socialist formation wanted to show up and protest some kind of like conservative thing happening in your city, you could and it would be a legible thing. People, even the conservatives would be like, yeah, that makes sense. They don't like us. I get I get that. If you protested Sean Foyt, it would it would be like fuel to the fire, though, you mm-hmm, know, like mm-hmm. it's like it's proving his point. So it sucks. Yeah, just like, I don't know, mute that guy. Tell all your friends to meet that guy, make fun of him. I don't know, but like it sucks. There's just like just not not a lot you can do to combat that particular thing. Um, tell them that they're wrong. I guess.
1: <laughs> Organize. That's the key. Don't combat yeah. it at the head. Just uh, I don't know. Build a different space. Thanks for listening to the Magnificast. If you like what you heard, like Matt said at the beginning of the show, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com/slash/theMagnificast. You can send us an email at themagnificast.gmail.com. Um, We've been kind of slow to reply, but don't worry. We'll get around to it. Do not send us an email, I should say, if you're an agent for a liberal Christian author. People keep doing this. We've gotten so many of them in the last few weeks. I don't know what mailing list we've been added on to, but I'm sorry, John Pavlovitz, You are not coming on this podcast.
0: I'm so sorry. I <laughs> don't want to... We don't. We don't care if your book has been praised by by Chelsea Clinton. You're not coming on our podcast. In, in fact, that's precisely so.
1: why you're not coming on the podcast. Um. Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. That's a little behind the scenes look at uh, what we deal uh, with yeah. every day. As a result I'm so of mad our about growing. It, though. Game. I know. Me too. I'm. I'm so mad as well. Um. I'm gonna keep being mad about it. Uh. Our music, as always, is by Amaria Armstrong, and our outro is by the Illogical Spoon. We'll see you next week. Keep your hoods up And you stay up late In Jackson You Keep your hoods up where well, you keep your hoods up And you stay up late Oh, don't mind the cold night But we might mind If you leave too soon So come on now It's still early At least I would have.